is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. Following the latest government restrictions to reduce spread of the new COVID variant, university and college unions are advising that it would be sensible to move university lessons online. Temporary measure would see online lessons return for the final week of term. The union is calling for the move to protect students ahead of Christmas after the Department for Education told universities to remain open for face-to-face teaching as planned. Some individual universities, including Imperial College London, have already made the move following rapid rises in cases on campus. The union is also calling for risk assessments to be conducted before students and staff return after the festive period. Schools must not lose sight of their core purpose amidst new demands for vaccinating pupils, testing children for COVID and dealing with anti-vax protesters, says Ofsted's Regional Director for London. According to a report in the Evening Standard, Mike Sheraton said that schools exist to educate children and to keep them safe, but acknowledged that school leaders are being pulled from pillar to post with new expectations. His comments come after the watchdog announced that Ofsted inspectors would not visit schools in the last week of term unless there were safeguarding concerns. In Scotland, the Daily Record reports Nicola Sturgeon's comments that she will bust a gut to keep schools open after also suggesting that there will be a tsunami of infections due to the latest variant. Whilst the First Minister acknowledged that there would be disruptions to schools due to infections, she indicated that there would be no return to the countrywide closures seen at the start of the pandemic. This week, leaders from Eastern and Southern Africa recommitted to the education, health and well-being of adolescents and young people. As part of the International Conference on AIDS and Sexually Transmitted Infections, Ministers of Health and Education from 20 countries across the region agreed to renew their commitments first made in 2013. The drive will continue to focus on creating and implementing a more systematic scale-up of sex education, including a focus on reducing early and unintended pregnancy, gender-based violence and health and well-being. Deputy Minister of Basic Education in South Africa stated, Our young people are our hope for the development of our continent. And Zanzibar Minister for Education said it was important to create a land where our adolescents and young people are healthier, more productive and contribute to a more inclusive society. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio Weekend News with Joe Fox. Well, that was a great start there. Um, I'll try again. Uh, Hello and welcome to The Breakfast Show on Teachers Talk Radio this Saturday, the 11th of December and pressing the wrong track, unfortunately, when I thought I'd spent about the last hour making sure all was good. But there we go. Um, You know who I am and you know that I'm here. So my name, for those of you who don't know, though, is Zoe Ensa and I'm going to be talking to you today about all things mentoring with the wonderful Hayley Hughes. Um, Coming into you from uh, the rather frosty East Sussex this morning, um, some glorious skies to start the day, which was really lovely to see. And I saw some fantastic pictures um, over on Twitter that people were sharing. So it really is a glorious day, but rather cold. I'm I'm huddled up next to a radiator, uh, sent away to the back bedroom so that uh, Mark Enser gets to sit in the luxurious living room and uh, wearing a bobble hat, um, partly uh, to protect my 
myself from the cold, but uh, also partly in respect for the uh, wonderful Mike Nesmith, who uh, sadly passed yesterday. Big fan of the monkeys back in the day, including the, watching their television shows. So, uh, yeah, sorry for the little mix up at the start. I know, it's terrible that I keep turning the heating off, but, uh, you know, I've got to save the planet in the best way that I can manage. So that, that that's all good. Um, started the morning uh, popping over to the shop to uh, get myself a nice baguette for the uh, for my fake on yes you heard right my fake on my fake on sandwich that I had uh, on a Saturday morning but it is a really really lovely day and as I said today I'm going to be talking again about my uh, my passion my obsession about uh, CPD but the focus particularly is on mentoring and really thinking about what is it that mentoring can offer to us not just from the mentee point of view but from the mentor point of view and really thinking about um, how you know we can benefit by being in that situation when we're mentoring someone now you know I've had some interesting experiences of being mentored myself. Um, my first experience uh, involved uh, my old English teacher, which, which was lovely because I was going back into a school that I knew very well. And she was really, really nice. She, you know, she's an absolutely lovely woman. I learned an awful lot from her, but I can remember going along to see a, a lesson, um, to observe her, to see what I could pick up and uh, discovering that, uh, you know, she said to me at the start, do as I say, and not as I do. And that was her kind of take on it. You know, she was going to do whatever it was that she was doing in the lesson. And really, I wasn't going to be able to to necessarily take that much away. Um, I did take a lot away. I, I took away a lot of things that about the way that she interacted with students and, and various things like that. But her idea of mentoring wasn't particularly structured. It certainly wasn't anything that was formulaic. And uh, and actually, I, I, I couldn't say that particularly we sat down and really unpicked some of the pedagogy or some of the subject knowledge that I would have re really done with in those early stages of my career. Um, on, on my quest for support, and I, and I think that was something that perhaps made a little bit of difference in my early days, that uh, when I was looking to be mentored and I was looking for people to support me, I would go and seek them out. And so I approached my professional tutor to uh, find out a little bit about lesson planning because I'd never actually seen a lesson plan I'd never actually done a lesson plan and uh, so I asked her what was it that, uh, that a lesson plan looked like could she share one with me could she show what it looked like and um, her response to me uh, and, she, and she you know wonderful you know I'm, I'm not going to do accents or insult anybody like that but you know wonderful northern drawl that she had and she said Zoe my sweetie it's all up here. And she tapped the side of her head and uh, said, I've been doing this for 20 years. She had no lesson plan that she could show me. So, you know, my experience of being mentored early in my career was really off you go. Um, here's your class. Um, this is one particular class where we've uh, collected all the students that nobody else wanted to teach in year 11. And, and that's your class. Uh, off you go. Here's the programme of study, which said, you know, term one, Inspector Calls, term two, Romeo and Juliet, uh, term three, you might want to do some poetry and uh, and crack on. And um, I, I guess the fact that I swam rather than sunk is, is probably a good thing. But but I wouldn't say, you know, mentoring was the forte at that particular stage from for my school. And um, my experiences weren't particularly uh, a positive one, I suppose, at that stage, although I did know where I could, uh, you know, 
keep going back and say, you know, I'm, I'm still having difficulties. You know, can you help me here? And I was located near to my mentor. Should any of those year 11 students that nobody else wanted to teach um, suddenly do something particularly damaging that she could kind of hustle across the, the, the um, corridor and come and help me out? So that was my first experience of mentoring. And, and I suppose that started me thinking really deeply about what was mentoring about? What was it for? And how might we help people? And I know that there are lots and lots of experiences that people have had out there. And uh, and I'd love for you to uh, text in or call in to share your thoughts on this. But, you know, I, I was thinking really kind of deeply throughout my career about what was mentoring about, what was mentoring for? What did it mean for the people that were new in the career? What did it mean for people at different stages as they kind of moved up into middle leadership? That was another point in my career where actually um, I, I didn't particularly have anyone to turn to. It was just a case of, oh, yeah, you're head of department now. Enjoy yourself. Crack on. Let's see what you can do. I got a little bit of support from the uh, local authority at the time um, because we were in that situation where nobody had seen a scheme of work. Nobody kind of knew where anything might be. And, and we just had these vague ideas that we would teach. And so um, having mentoring at that stage of my career probably would have been a really useful opportunity for me as well. So I've been you know, really pleased to see how uh, things have been shifting and there's been much greater emphasis on having support for people who are mentors, for focusing on the role that mentors play. And, and we see that coming through in the early career framework and, and the fact that people have that mentoring for that longer period of time. It's much more detailed in terms of the training that you're given as a mentor and the support that you're given as a mentor, although I know that there are certainly some issues about that. And, and when I chat to uh, Hallie Hughes later, I will be talking about, you know, well, what are perhaps those issues that schools are facing and how might we address some of those as well to support that. Um, equally, you know, if, if people have got some fantastic ideas and approaches for supporting mentors out there, then please do, again, call or text in and, uh, and share your thoughts around that. Because I know that there are people that have been really um, innovative in their approaches around this to make sure that they're balancing against the time that's needed um, to do this role well, because I do think it is an incredibly valuable role. And, and I do think that it's not just a case of uh, one person benefiting from this. I genuinely believe that it's benefited me throughout my career to have been a mentor. Um, and actually, after my wonderful experience of, of mentoring um, right at the start, where it was basically just get on with it, um, I very quickly um, took on the role of mentor to other people coming into the school. And, um, you know, I was delighted to discover the very first person that I mentored, who I kind of had to coax from behind the desk when she was first standing up in front of my year 10 class. Um, she's actually gone on to be a senior leader back in that very same school. She's, you know, wonderful. Canadian teacher who'd somehow found herself in the wilds of Essex um, and as, as part of her placement and um, and you know it, it, she was a fantastic teacher but obviously there was a bit of a culture shock that was going on with there at that as well so that was my very first experience of being a mentor 
What I really love about mentoring, though, is the way that it encourages me to reflect, not just that person, not just that support. I love seeing them flourish. Um, you know, it was, it was great seeing that how, how Susan had come on and her career um, progression as, she, as she'd kind of moved into that senior leadership role um, and, and everything that she'd achieved. And in fact, you know, wanting to come back to the wilds of Essex um, somehow, as opposed to going back to her home in Canada. Um, but it's, you know, that opportunity for me to reflect on my practice in a much deeper way, you know, in order for us to be effective mentors, we really need to think about what is it that we're doing that we need to transfer to others? What is it that we need to share in terms of our practice? Is it okay to just kind of let them see what happens uh, as my mentor had done? Or do we need to really break that down? And so even when I was sitting and, and watching and, and observing those kind of lessons for the, the new teachers, either ITT or, or NQT at the time, I'd all the time be thinking about, how might I be delivering it? What might I be doing differently? So that when we were sitting down with that planning, we could really unpick that and we could go through those processes much more clearly and really and think about what is it that we wanted the, our students to achieve? What was it that we wanted them to take away? And obviously, you know, I think mentoring has its ups and downs. It, it, it can be, as I said, you know, a really challenging role historically, We've not been big fans in schools of really giving it the uh, the emphasis that's needed. You know, it used to just be a case of, well, you're head of department, you must know how to mentor. And so you'd head off to the university for a day if it was ITT, or you'd spend some time with your kind of local provider if it was for NQTs. And most of the time when I went on those sessions, there'd be a lot of discussion around the paperwork. And that that's literally what you were showing, you know, that this is what needs to be filled in and this is what needs to be, you know, it has to be in by this date. And that's what you need to do. But I think it's actually a really intricate process. And the support that a mentor is offering isn't just about, you know, filling in paperwork, nor is it just necessarily about sitting there and just unpicking those lessons or unpicking those processes that you're using. There's quite a lot of emotional support. You know, we know that teaching is such a difficult um, profession. It's really, really hard. And we've got these demands on us all the time. We've got 30 students in front of us and, and however many over the course of the day or the course of the week who are demanding from us all the time, even the nicest class, you know, that, that's the demand. There's an urgency to do things with them then and there. And that makes it incredibly exhausting because we're going through so many decisions. And, and I, you know, I would be you know, telling an absolute fib if it wasn't the case that I'd seen an awful lot of mentees and an awful lot of mentors in my time who had for one reason or another you know become very emotional and he, and even kind of cried about various situations so um there's there's lots of that to explore and, and i think i've heard people talking about being a mentor and saying that um you need to, yes, have your pedagogy and know your pedagogy really, really well. You have to know what teaching, um, good teaching is about. You have to know those classes and students so that you can support that person. If it's a case of, you know, that they're, they're teaching those classes with you um, or you need to understand the systems in the school to support them to do that. But having a little box of tissues by your side is never going to be a bad thing. So um, and certainly that has been my experience. Now, whether that says something about me as a mentor, whether that says something about
about the schools that I was mentoring in. I, I don't know. Um, and, you know, it may be that other mentors haven't experienced that. And, and indeed, other mentees haven't experienced that. But, you know, I, I would certainly um, not be telling the truth if I didn't say that. I had gone home on more than one occasion to have a little cry about the way classes had or hadn't gone. So, you know, mentoring, I think, is is a really key aspect of what we're trying to achieve now. Um, as always, when thinking about things like this, I turn to Twitter. Um, I do like to turn to Twitter and see what they think about it. And I'd be, again, interested in this conversation were to continue um, beyond the show today. I'd be really interested to hear what people said or I'd be interested if you wanted to call in or wanted to text your thoughts about that. I'm sure Tom's probably got some thoughts about mentoring and mentoring experience. And I know that Mark's in in the uh, podcast as well. So uh, I'm sure that he can uh, pop some ideas in there. But I turned to Twitter and said, you know, what are your experiences about mentoring? Um, (laughs) Yo, 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 back to you there, Mark Enson. Lovely to see you. Um, But, you know, I turned to them and... um, I think this one struck me initially the most, and this is from Dwayne Dunson, um, who I believe is all the way over in the States. And he had quite a lot to say about his experiences of mentoring. And I'm pleased to say it was much more positive than, than my experience of being mentored in the early stages of my career. Uh, He says it's good for CPD. However, folks should be taught how to mentor, Uh, you know, coming back to my point there that, you know, we haven't always given it the emphasis that we want to give it. We haven't always given people that kind of opportunity to understand what it means to be a mentor or what it means to be mentored. Um, And Tom said there, you know, it's great if the person mentoring you is good. Um, yeah, 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 I you know too simple, simplistic that, isn't it? Well, no, actually, you know, I, I think it comes back to they've really got to know their subject, they've really got to know their teaching, but they've also really got to know about relationships and people. Um, and yeah, good at mentoring, yeah, good at mentoring, by the way, he said, Well, yeah, uh, but how do we get to be good at mentoring is probably a, quite a big question. Um, back to this idea that if you happen to be a subject leader or you happen to be quite a good teacher then therefore you know how to mentor and I I would say there's an awful lot more to that um, in terms of supporting people to be able to help them to take their practice forward anyway back to back to the wonderful Dwayne Um, and he said um, my first mentor had me reflect on my own teaching often which of course is part and parcel of what we're doing but I thought this was really interesting. He said he provided um, case, like cases of how he managed various issues in the classroom. So he gave him examples, concrete examples, not lots and lots of theory, which perhaps can be a bit of a danger in CPD. And I know we talked about that last week in terms of, you know, how do we make sure it happens in the classroom? If it's too abstract, if it's too theoretical, theoretically based, then we won't actually have that opportunity to see how it works. So they gave them lots of case studies, but then didn't force solutions on Dwayne. Instead, it provided me with a toolkit in case those issues arose in my classroom, and some did. And I think that's really important, you know, trying to anticipate what issues might come up. Um, Another interesting point that that did uh, get mentioned on the discussion, though, is, uh, and I think this was David Priest, was saying that um, if mentors perhaps exaggerate those issues, so, you know, those case studies are great, those concrete examples are great, but if mentors 
are projecting their own experiences and assuming that you're going to definitely struggle with a particular aspect of your practice, then it can go two ways. So either it shields the person who's being mentored too much. So if we think about things like behaviour, if the mentor is always picking up on behaviour issues, and again, there's a whole discussion about um, you know having really good school systems in place. So actually... These are, have become depersonalised and they have got really strong structures to support it. But if the mentor's stepping in too soon or assuming that there's going to be a problem, then it shields someone too much and, and you'll never have to deal with it. Um, or, you know, equally, you become horrified at the idea, you know, anticipating definitely there's going to be a behaviour issue in my class or definitely the students aren't going to understand this particular aspect of my subject. And that can lead you down um, sort of wrong routes there. So again, back to Dwayne, um, he said, instead, it provided him with a toolkit to use in the classroom. He helped set realistic goals. And I think goal setting is quite a difficult um, difficult thing to do. You know, we talk about having smart targets. We talk about having um, sort of single goals or single um, kind of objectives that people are aiming to meet. But he said he only had two for the semester. So he didn't become overwhelmed with trying too much. And what I like here that's implied here, and, and Dwayne may clarify actually um, if he listens back or, or or comes in or pops on Twitter, um, was this idea of helped me set realistic goals. So there was a sense of it being co-constructed. It wasn't something that was just being done. And, and I think that's something that's quite interesting with um, mentoring anyway. And we hear a lot about coaching at the moment. And it's where does this mentoring element end where we're perhaps being quite um, directive and instructional around what we're doing and where does coaching start now obviously we've got something called instructional coaching that's become incredibly popular over the last couple of years and and that can be very directive um, again it doesn't have to be but it, it tends to be very directive picking on one aspect of practice and it has um, kind of rehearsal and modeling of those sorts of things and you know to me that would be very much what mentoring was under its kind of old term um, whereas coaching tended to be uh, much more about you know you've got the answers you've got the solutions we can co-construct this this uh, idea or you can you know back to my mentor you can go away and you can construct it on your own and you can explore it on your own there um, and, and actually you know I, I was always taught, taught about this idea of the, the continuum between mentoring and coaching. And you have to decide on, on different moments, different elements. Where do you become more coaching in your approach? Where do you allow that space for reflection? And where do you perhaps give people solutions? And I know, again, that was something that came up on Twitter that had been a real frustration to people, that if your mentor is too much about, you know, no, you can work this out, you've got the answers, um, you've done three lessons with that class, I, I know you can work your way through this, or if you've got a problem with, with an element of subject knowledge, I'm sure you know where to find that. And that is really, really frustrating. If you You've gone to somebody and you want some answers and all they give you is coaching conversations you know I always say I, I just came to this person to find out where the stapler is um, you know, I, I don't want to be told well where do you think the stapler might be you know have you considered all the possible options around this so you know no no I want to know where it is and, and Joe you know agrees they're saying yes this sometimes I just want advice 
And that's quite a, a difficult thing, I suppose, for a mentor to know, you know, where do you step in? And are we risking, as, as David Priest suggested, stepping in too soon and sheltering people from things and not giving them that opportunity to explore? And when actually do they just need an answer? When do they just need to be told this is how it works? This is what I do in my class. And this is what you could replicate. Because I think, you know, in those early stages of our career or even in the early stages of being a head of department or a senior leader, you want to have those kind of models in order to explore it you, you haven't necessarily you know just like with the students you haven't got all of this knowledge available to you at your hands and as you become more experienced as you learn more about the role then you start to build up that toolkit but if you haven't got anything in that toolkit in the first place then you're definitely going to be struggling it really is going to be difficult and um, what was really nice to see though when i did ask about this on twitter despite the, you know the, some of the frustrations there was the fact that there was a lot of love for, for really good mentors so there's obviously a huge number of people out there um, who are doing a fantastic job around this um, and that's really good to hear and it's a really positive thing to hear because um, we know that sometimes we do share the things that have gone wrong um, you know I, I started this whole show sharing my experience of, of working with someone where it went wrong um, although you know obviously I, I carried on with my career it didn't send me running away but I did see other people coming in to that same situation where the mentor um, just didn't really understand what that role was beyond, you know, there are your classes, you know where I am if you want to come and find the books. And, uh, you know, I sadly saw quite a few um, new teachers in the profession who, who just left within that kind of first year under that system. And, you know, we, we know we've got a, a re retention and recruitment issue. And I think the retention uh, issue is, is often overlooked a little bit. So we do really need to think about how are we you know, supporting teachers in the classroom to make sure that they want to stay, to make sure that they can develop and they can grow and that we continue to develop and grow through that role. Um, and as I say, you know, having that opportunity to, to reflect on our own practice, it makes us much more metacognitive ourselves as we start to think about those areas. It, it allows us to focus to on the positives and the things that are, are going really, really well. And as I say, I'm going to be joined later um, by Hallie Hughes, who's written a fantastic book about mentoring and, and actually something I would have loved to have had um, available to me in my early days of mentoring. And, and in fact, uh, took a lot away from it now. Um, but we, you know, having those resources available to us is, is really important and um, she's broken it down into lots of different areas and, and information that, that uh, mentors need and we see that now also with some of those early career framework um, kind of programs where the mentors are really supported so she's going to be joining me at around 10 o'clock so more thoughts about mentoring more um, horror stories or you know more positives about what it is that great mentors have done. I said, you know, there's got to be a real understanding of people and how people work, 
what helps motivate people, what supports people. So, uh, you know, that's a, a key element there um, to really think about. So I'd be interested to hear some more of your thoughts around that. Um, so do call in um, or do text to tell us a little bit more about that. I, I'm, I mentioned as well, you know, a few times this idea of mentoring isn't just for early in our careers and having the opportunity to have someone to mentor us when we step into various other roles. And uh, again, that's something that can be really difficult. Uh, there's this assumption that we will again know where the support is um, and that we will know where to source that and where to get various information um, that will help us through that. And I suppose line management has an element of that. But the other thing with line and, and great line management Again, it's fantastic when it works really well, when you've got really strong line managers who are there to talk things through with, to explore these ideas, to share their experiences as well. That works really, really well. Um, and I suppose some people would suggest that that's the stage where we need to be kind of coaching people and, and going more towards those coaching conversations where we let people um explore but again in those early stages when you're stepping into that new role you do need to know where to go to and some of those like you know the line management meetings where it's kind of about results and it's very kind of high stakes and you haven't got again that relationship where you can be really open about what things are going well and what things aren't going so well then that's going to shut down those opportunities to explore it so yeah, again I I think, you know, modelling that for people so they know what it means and giving them that opportunity to really see what other people have experienced. Now, all being well, I'm going to play a short advert and that is, of course, all being well. Um, and so uh, let's see what delights are available to you in our adverts for today. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DfE-validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use, and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Hello again. So there's some phonics for you if uh, if that's what you're going to be needing at the moment there from Oxford. Um, Louise Harrison has said um, that she would really like to see more formal routes for coaching middle leadership staff hoping to progress. And um, yeah, I, I think the uh, the new MPQs that they're supposed to be offering that and there are opportunities. <laughs> there are opportunities. Sorry, I was just reading Toby's uh, slightly odd comment underneath, which I'll go to in a moment. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, the, the MPQs, there's meant to be opportunities in there for coaching within the groups, uh, and that's really good. But it, again, that depends on you 
being able to get onto those if you've got the time to devote to that I think it should be something that's within school as well we can't just rely on it being external so uh, although you know Louise is suggesting formal routes for that coaching it'd be great if we could develop some of those in schools I'm going to go to um, Toby's uh, comment which distracted me um, (laughs) slightly there because he said good analytical stuff about the stapler Um, I'm wondering if a mentor is about passing on insight and wisdom and risks making the mentor into a clone version of the mentor I I agree that there have been some concerns I've had about that in the past and and uh, perhaps that's something to consider with instructional coaching and again it's all about the implementation though um, and and a really good uh, instructional coaching or, or mentor that's very directive could be doing incredible things could really be supporting them to be able to take their first steps into that but you know a cloned version of the mentor um, you know maybe other people disagree maybe think actually that's fine if we if we're focusing on the best bets of teaching that is what we want but uh, you know I I know that uh, one person who's um, now working as a a literacy lead in a school that I, I, I mentored her when she was first in the profession and she actually praised when I was leaving the school that she was actually praised the fact that uh, I would give her instruction. I would, I would sort of show her where it'd work or I'd talk about what I'd done in a similar situation. But I also gave her room to breathe, room to develop her own approaches. And actually, we're very, very different teachers in terms of our approach these days um, now that she's kind of a good few years in. But, you know, she felt that was really important for her. And I guess she was, a, a, you know, a, an older entry, entrance to the profession as well. Um, you know, she, she'd been a TA before, much like myself. And I think it would have perhaps stifled her if I'd only been telling her you've got to do it in this way. Um, but equally, we need to give that scaffold and support for the people who need it. So Toby goes on to say that whereas a coach is more about making the coachee into the best version of themselves. Absolutely. What we often need, whether ECT or established is a midpoint between mentoring and coaching yeah absolutely you know where where is that point and I think that's quite difficult um, to ascertain Um, really hard to do well the key to success is the quality of the relationship between the the two individuals yes and um, you know when it doesn't go well when those relationships have gone sour and I'll hold my hands up and say, you know, I've had occasions where I, I, you know, I'm sure that there are people that I've mentored who would say, actually, you know, we didn't get on. I didn't like her approach. I didn't like, you know, the, the relationship that we developed. Um, then then it can, it's absolutely, it's awful. You know, it's, it's not a good situation to be in for, for either party, but particularly for that person who needs that extra support. And um, that's something that I've reflected on um certainly in in the past that how can i make that the quality of that relationship all the better um mark Enser, um who always has something to say let's see what he's up to there um oh he he liked the show thank you my dear that's really nice of you um toby said my essay sorry i'm always delighted to hear what people say um and their thoughts on it um joe says i was part of a local community project a few years ago and the chap leading was amazing he was my coach um absolutely was an expert at navigating the line between coach uh, a mentor and coach i'd love to hear a little bit um 
more about your that that uh, information joe if you wanted to call in I, i'd be absolutely delighted to try and work out which button i need to press in order for you to join but it'd be really good to hear more about that and how you feel that he navigated that line between coach and mentor um tom as as asked yeah well, what went wrong in those situations um was it simply a personality difference um that's a, that's a really good question I, and like i say i've reflected on it a lot i think one of the issues which always comes up time and time again is that word time. Um, having that time to really sit down and do what you need to do, particularly at those early stages. And if you've got someone who's joining at the start of term, you can really end up getting off onto a wrong foot because everyone's running around manically and uh, it can really feel that people are dropped in at the deep end and resentment perhaps starts to store up quite early on. It's also knowing, you know, it's quite difficult to always communicate with the person you see as your superior. So if you're doing it as a head of department and there's somebody who's now an NQT in your department, as much as you want to support, there's a hierarchical structure in some schools and it can be really easy to say, well, that's my boss. I don't want to go and ask them again for this support and advice. So so I think, you know, that was an issue. Sometimes I've come across uh, issues where um, somebody wanted to approach things very, very differently. Um, and I suppose you could say that was a pedagogy difference or a ped pedagogy clash rather than a personality clash. Um, because, you know, they were getting lots of information from other places that were telling them to do something in a particular way, which I knew could potentially be problematic with the class that they were teaching in the setting that they're in. And I think the setting, the school that you're in, the structures that are in place can really make a difference. And we're back to, you know, feeling really harried. Joe's wonderfully decided to call in. Uh, um, Joe, do you want to give that a call again? Because I saw you pop up, but then started talking um, and uh, disappeared. So you, you, your little uh, icon disappeared from there. So if you want to give a call again, that would be fantastic because I would love to hear that. Brilliant. Hi, Joe. Are you there? Hello. Uh, can you hear me? I can. Hi. Yeah. Tell us about the coaching. Um, yeah, he was great. I think he was our local um, school improvement kind of partner person. He came in to support the SLT at a previous school. And he um, he started this sort of local cluster um, project on coaching and we were all sort of part of it. And he was coaching me for a while and he had this um, he had this really great way of sort of balancing that that conversation between, OK, so how do you think that went? And And he had a very good way of... Um, when he would come in, he'd come in for just kind of five or 10 minutes and literally just note down things that happened. So there was no judgment ever. Um, it was just all about, well, I noticed this happening and then this happening, and then he'd talk that through. Um, but he was really good at switching between that mentor kind of giving advice and um, coaching to try and get you to think more deeply about it. It was, it was a really, really rewarding project, I think. Excellent. That sounds really, really good. And I think, you know, that that term that, that he was using, that noticing, I'm not judging, I'm just noticing. Yeah. That's really valuable. Um, I'm, I'm glad that you got a lot out of it. Um, and, and I think that's that's something, again, it's, it's that line, isn't it? Where do I come in and offer my advice? Is it somebody getting frustrated? Did you ever find that you got kind of frustrated? That, no, that I... Wanted 
No, definitely not with him. I think when he, because he was so good at it, I think it was something that he'd done a lot of. Um, and then he was kind of teaching us how to do it so that we would then go off and do that again within the school. I think where it, where it, sorry, you can, that's my children arguing. <laughs> Hello, children. <laughs> um, where it got a bit tricky was where that message had kind of been watered down. So then we had gone off and taught other people how to do that. And then they would, mm. had gone off and then done the same thing. And, and you noticed that subtle shift then um, between it being really kind of um, uh, non-judgmental and mm. to some people then kind of overreaching a little bit and then um, being a bit more judgmental in what they were seeing. And that was a bit more problematic. And I'm not really sure how you would get around that really because it comes back to that sort of you know that thing about message sent and message received in um cpd where somebody different people in the same room hear different messages yeah that's you know how do you kind of have that real fidelity yeah. to the thing that you're trying to do and, and that's where we get the all the kind of mutations and things yes. coming in with all, all sorts but yeah that's a, that's a really interesting point how do we scale it up but not lose um, the sense one of the things that uh, when I've done coaching training that they've they've really focused on is that opportunity to practice a lot you know and I suppose that's where we've ended up with every every coach every conversation is a coaching conversation which can yeah. not really work <laughs> not if somebody just needs to know where the stapler is um, but um, it's how do you practice that and, and and as you say not lose it and keep coming back and have the time to yeah. sit down and do that did you ever use it? Have you ever used Iris? Yes. Um, yeah. So we did some of it using Iris. It wasn't always live. And that was quite good because you could go away and then do the same thing, almost kind of mental yourself, mm. if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, looking, it, it's, it's cringy, isn't it? it yes. Yeah, <laughs> And, and I think everybody doing remote lessons last year really saw yeah. know, there, there, there was that awkward moment. Is that like, I don't yeah. want to see myself on screen. Yeah, it's horrible. Um, <laughs> but it's really valuable if you can get past that. If you can get, you know, for me, it's always my voice. Um, you yeah. can't stand, you know, here I am on the radio and I can't stand <laughs> listening back to my voice. So I won't listen back to this. Um, but, uh, you know, if you can get past that, you know, that opportunity to just look at it and say, well, how was my questioning at this moment? Yeah. How, how are the students responding? at that moment so did I miss anything in that I, th I think that that can be really powerful yeah and then and then you could then I could go back and use him more as a mentor then because I was kind of doing the coaching myself and then going back and saying okay well there was this issue and and actually what would you have done about it and then that was that was where that kind of had I think that was where that was yeah. that line I think that's really good because what you're talking about that is, is this kind of, you know, it's, it's it's ongoing, isn't it? So, you know, you're mentoring or coaching someone and then you're being coached or mentored as well. So you can kind of keep that moving on. Yeah. Um, even if that, you know, you're mentoring yourself and exploring that yourself, it's passed on, it's passed up. So everybody's benefiting from it. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you. Your children have quietened down. So yeah, that's hopefully. not a good sign. I think I probably need to go and see what's happening, to be honest. <laughs> okay, well, thank you ever so much, Joe, for calling in. Lovely to talk to you. Thanks for I'm not, sharing. I'm not entirely sure how to come off. Um, let's see. I think I, I think I can mute you. Okay. Uh, thanks very much. Bye. <laughs> 
Oh, that was lovely to have that opportunity to chat that through. Thank you. Um, so Mark Enser has said, do you think the new MPQ LTD will help develop better mentors and coaching? How will it do this? Well, that, that's obviously the dream, isn't it? And, and from what I've seen of those um, from the kind of other side where I'm working on uh, developing some of the materials, um, it certainly seems to be focusing a lot um, on the relationships, on the understanding of your own teaching and learning, that taking that time to reflect and giving people that time to reflect. So hopefully, you know, earmarking that time to explore that before they then go forward to work with people in their schools. It should do that. But of course, we're talking about something on a huge scale. We're talking about, um, you know, going back to Joe's point there, that kind of message received. So what is it that people actually do with that information? How do they then make use of it when they're back in their schools and working? I think that is always going to be the problem. So, um, you know, I, I saw that there are certain measures been put in place for how successful these programs will be but I think you know talking to people who are participants on it for me would be about the success so has it actually made you a better mentor has it made you a better coach has it given you a better understanding of developing um, you know CPD for groups or, or you know whole staff if we're moving um, up to that angle as well um, so I, I guess Hope so <laughs> is, is the uh, the smallest answer I can give you to that one. Um, got a few more messages there. It looks like uh, Hallie has joined, which is fantastic. So um, we'll talk to her in a moment. Um, do call in whenever you're ready. Um, there, yes, uh, I, there we go. Mark just helping uh, Joe to be able to get out of the studio. So that's fantastic. Um, Nathan Lessoncock, is it? I, I used to love using Iris. Um, as I say, in the first uh, instant of Iris in my school, it was when it, you know, it was back in the old days, as it tends to be when I talk about elements of my practice um, from 20 years in the classroom. But we actually had this thing that had to be wheeled in. It was, it was about um, five foot high um on on this stand um and it, it looked like you know the top part of a dalek just without the kind of projecting exterminator part and and so that would be wheeled into the classroom and obviously the students would respond um quite dramatically to that as would the staff you know this idea that actually we wanted something that was quite unobtrusive in our classroom and I know that's changed a lot and it, it works from kind of iPads or on a very small stand now and and various things like that but this great thing would be wheeled into the class and immediately the students would kind of panic even if I had it in the back of my classroom and it was going to be used for a lesson later if it was there my students would respond quite differently to it I suppose over time they may have got used to it. Um, we, we actually, you know, when it was um, not in a classroom, it, it wore a feather boa in the office where, where it lived and, and we, we quite felt quite affectionate towards Iris. Um, we did have one instant, instance where um, a student decided that uh, what they would do would um, the, with the Iris, thinking nobody was there, um, the teacher had stepped out of the classroom to speak to someone else, and, and he decided that a good thing to do would be to stand in front of the Iris and do a little bit of a truffle shuffle, pulling up his um, school shirt, uh, which was captured for all time on, on that particular video because he didn't realise it was on. So um, hopefully we've moved on a little bit from that um, and that we won't get those uh, incidents uh, happening 
all over again. Um, thank you very much, Toby. Um, you also have a very engaging manner um, and voice. It's always lovely to hear you talk. Um, Hallie, thank you very much. I saw that you just tried to call in. If you want to give a call uh, in again, that'd be fantastic. And you can join us. That would be absolutely brilliant. Um, it'd be lovely to, excellent. There we go. I was quicker, quicker on the mark there, hopefully. Hello, Hallie. How are you? I'm good, thanks. See you, Zoe. Great show so far. Oh, thank you very much. Um, there was a little bit of a moment there where I was thinking, oh, is anybody going to talk to me today? But <laughs> luckily, luckily some people did, which was absolutely fantastic. Um, now, um, I mentioned your book on mentoring earlier, which, as I said, you know, I, I thought was fantastic. Um, it really, you know, even though I was reading it at a stage of my career where um, I'm much more focused on coaching, I thought it was really uh, useful for lots and lots of people. And I wished I'd had it um, at the start. I wished I'd had that opportunity to read that at the start. But unfortunately, we can't go back in time. No. Um, <laughs> unfortunately not um but do you, do you want to just start a little bit um before we delve into that um just telling us a little bit about um your journey so far in teaching so how did you get to where you are and and, and what are you up to now well i will try and condense it because it's a long <laughs> and convoluted path like many teachers um but i never wanted to be a teacher um i used to make really i was one of those horrible people who made disparaging comments about teachers like you know um the people do it when they don't know what to do with a degree um you know you work eight till three all those things that i've heard for the last 15 years and it's kind of karma to be honest because i thought them <laughs> Um, and I was a journalist in London at a very notorious national newspaper that's been closed down for phone hacking. Um, so I had a very um, exciting career, very <laughs> terrible career in many ways, um, but actually lots of transferable skills to teach him, bizarrely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I got to the stage where I'd had enough of doing a job that wasn't didn't have that moral purpose, really. I, I thought that I was somebody who could probably get away with um, mm. just doing things and not being you know feeling bad about it but it turns out I did have a soul and a heart so um, I decided what could I do with an English degree and a train to be a teacher and you know I've done it for the last 15 years I loved it um, I very quickly moved into to middle and senior leadership and at the time um, that turned out to not be for me actually um, I wanted to take a little bit of a different route so I spent the last um, seven and a bit years of my career in the classroom um, working in a fantastic English department um, you have one of my old colleagues listening to the show today uh, Louise Harrison amazing teacher oh. um, so yeah it's you know I just had an incredible time at my last school um, and had the opportunity to do lots of mentoring over my career not just of early career teachers and um, ITT students but also of middle leaders senior leaders um, that have informally mentored over the years as well. Um, and it's interesting that you talked about the, the the sort of differences between coaching and mentoring. Perhaps we'll have an opportunity to talk a little bit more about that. But I think there are lots of crossovers. Um, and I would say that a lot of what I do, especially when working with more experienced colleagues, would be more seen as coaching than, than mentoring anyway. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, that's me. I left the classroom in July. Um after writing a, a few books, I was increasingly being asked to deliver CPD. And obviously, as as both um, you, you and Mark know yourselves, it's very hard to get out and, and do that kind of thing when you're tied to the constraints of, of a full timetable. 
So I decided to go and actually work at Iris Connect. So it's been um, lovely to hear lots of things that have been said about Iris Connect this morning. Um, it was almost um, as if it was planned. <laughs> it, it was so. actually. I, I think that, that was brilliant. I, I genuinely didn't plant that. Um, that that, that no. was just, <laughs> just Nathan decided to put that in, throw that in. I was listening um, about like, oh. Iris and Joe with Iris as well. <laughs> Yeah, no, so I'm head of education there, um, which I absolutely love. Um, we're doing amazing things there, working with lots of ITT providers um, and also as partners on the early career framework delivery with, with Teach First and EDT. Um, we're also working with UCL with their ITT. Um, and obviously the ITT market review has just come out and there's a lot of emphasis in that about um, the um about the use of video really in in training teachers and in cpd because it's so useful for that deconstruction isn't it of, of, mm. of teaching so yeah that's what i'm doing now i'm a senior lecturer at sunderland as well i lead their mentoring provision um and i'm up and down the, the country on the road quite a lot of the weeks as anybody who follows me on twitter I was gonna, yeah, I, I saw and I, I was just exhausted from seeing all the different places <laughs> that you've been to let alone you actually having to do the travel and, and the work in between yeah I mean it's just the traveling being in the schools is just amazing <laughs> um you know I love being around other practitioners learning from other practitioners being around students because I do miss that interaction um but it is the traveling it's just getting on and off the trains and hiking luggage and you know all of that stuff yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree. And I, I love it when I get that opportunity mm -hmm. to go back into schools, <coughs> excuse me, and uh, and work with teachers and be in the classroom. And you know, it was a wonderful moment. And um, one of my recent school visits where, you know, I say wonderful for me, that the teacher mm -hmm. needed to step out for a few minutes to deal with something. And so I, I, I kind of got up and I got on because I know the school and the students Amazing. by then really well. <laughs> and, and that was really lovely. It was like, oh, great. It, you know, it, it comes flooding back. It's really exciting. But you kind of feed off that energy, don't you, of being in a school and, and seeing what's going mm -hmm. on there. Oh, that's fantastic. Now, there's, well, there's already a lot to unpick there and, uh, and a lot mm -hmm. to explore. But obviously, you know, we know that we've got the early career framework. We, we know that mentoring has really raised its profile. Um, mm -hmm. wh why do you think that's so important? You know, what, what is it that, that we perhaps haven't been getting right in the past that we really need to focus and emphasise on this now? I, I think obviously it came from the um, DFE's recruitment and retention strategy after they did that that huge piece of qualitative research looking at why people leave the profession. And, you know, a lot of the um, feedback that the DFE were getting from people was about that lack of support in early career. And I think, you know, we, we expect sometimes quite young graduates um, to enter into this whole new world that they've never been in before. And, and very often people were expected to kind of come from ITT and it was almost like they, they were pushed off into the appear into the deep end um, with, you know, an occasional rubber ring that might have been thrown to them so that they, they didn't drown. And I think the quality of, of mentoring that um, just, just wasn't there across the board, there's some fantastic mentors but there's people like me actually who had a really negligible um, experience of, of being mentored and I think that you know it was vastly needed to actually make sure that that quality of mentoring that quality of of, of of research-based teaching was there across the board because some people were lucky and got it and others didn't 
So um, I was talking about my experience right at the start of, of the show and uh, I think it must have been quite similar because mm-hmm. lovely as my mentor was and great teacher as she was, it really was, there's your class, off you go, crack yes. on, you'll be fine. Was that mm-hmm. very much your experience? Uh, it was worse, to be honest. Uh, my, fir- my first mentor was kind of, was great um, and then I went to a second school, this is on my training year, when, mm-hmm. when you're at your most vulnerable, I think, completely. And when I did my um, teacher training, you know, I was uh, I had a young baby. Um, so that was very difficult as well. Um, and she told me that I needed elocution lessons because no English teacher could speak in a northern accent like I did. Um, I called, I was in a girl's school and I said, right, guys. Um, and she absolutely went for my jugular. How dare you call the students guys? They are ladies. And I thought she was joking at first. So I kind of laughed because I'd never been spoken to like that in my life. Uh, and, you know, she said, don't laugh at me. I'm the head of department. So she was just awful. I mean, thank goodness she retired that year because I honestly, I've spoken to other people kind of in, in education because obviously it's a small world um mm. and actually you know they have said to me that they know this woman <laughs> and oh. they have similar experiences so you know thank goodness she can no longer ruin people's careers like that and you know I'm a very bloody-minded person um if somebody tells me I can't do something I will absolutely do it and I will smash it um but there are people who actually that would have broken them and they probably would have quit Mm -hmm. so yeah I had really negligible experiences to be honest oh Hello. No, that uh, others would go to her later, and, and she would say, mm-hmm. "No, just go away and sort it out yourself." Um, but wow. you know, this, you know that level of snobbery around your accent, and yes. you know, just absolutely well. You know, there's, there's nothing really we can say that's good about that at all. Um, so no. we've heard that terrible kind of example, what does a good mentor really need to be able to do? I think um, be, being a good mentor is is, is really quite difficult. Um, and it's, it isn't necessary, you know, there's lots been lots of research done about the links between excellent teaching and good mentoring and the skill set might not actually be the same and not every fantastic teacher makes a great mentor. And I think it's a really difficult line to walk um, between being there as somebody who, by the fact that they are more experienced and have had the time in the classroom, is more of an expert in certain areas. Now, there's been a lot of of kickback about this idea of expert and novices. Being an expert doesn't mean that you know everything about that subject for me. That's not how I use the word. Um, What I use the word expert to mean when we're talking about mentoring is somebody who has had the chance to perfect that, um, you know, that that skill in a little bit more depth than somebody who hasn't. Um, So an expert still has a lot to learn. I think mentors learn all the time from their mentees. So it's striking that balance between being somebody who can exemplify things, being someone who can model things, who can scaffold things for for mentees, but actually allowing them to to have their own minds, to develop their own style. And we don't want mentors who are trying to create carbon copies of themselves as mentees. So it's about striking that balance and it's quite difficult. 
it really is tricky and, that, and that's that's something i've experienced it's interesting you say about the carbon copy because that is exactly what toby was saying earlier you know mm-hmm. that, that that kind of danger of you've got to do it this way and there's yes. no other way and there's no discussion or alternative um, that can be explored. And and you also said that, and, and I absolutely agree, you know, that we learn a lot from our mentees. Can, yes. can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, for me, you know, when I say this in all of the CPD that I deliver, I say it in my book, you know, mentoring for me is an absolutely reciprocal relationship. So, you know, very often I will use a diagram in my CPD that shows kind of two two heads and inside one is a light bulb and inside the other is like a shoot growing. And people often think that the light bulb is the mentor who is giving the ideas to the mentee who is then growing. But actually, I'd say flip that narrative because so often um, young teachers, um, ECTs, come into schools and they are at the forefront of educational research. They are full of brimming with with great pedagogic ideas um, and actually I have grown so much from working with them as well so I, it's absolutely a reciprocal relationship. Yeah absolutely I 100% agree and uh, I think it's a real privilege actually to be able to be in that position to work with people in that way um, and, and also I think it's interesting that you said there uh, about uh, that we're not experts in everything no. and um one of the things that, that you know, I've arranged and I was a kind of professional um, tutor for ITTs um, and things like that as well, um, was making sure that they had access um, and I was paving the way for them to have access to expertise from other people. So, you know, working with the yes. Senko and, and being able to support the Senko to know what she needed to do and to support them to be able to get that access as well. Because we can't cover everything. You know, we, we you know, we, we're already kind of being pulled in lots of different directions. But I wouldn't say, you know, I'm an expert in every single aspect of teaching. Yeah, I've got some things that I'm pretty good at. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And I think that's where some people have misread the early career framework, actually, because and, and the core content framework, because it does say draw on the wisdom of expert colleagues. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, very much when I'm talking up and down uh, the country at, at schools, I talk about mentors asking themselves um, six questions when they're planning for how best to facilitate their um, ECT making progress. And one of those questions is, you know, who in my department, who in my school can I um, introduce the the ECT to that will model excellent practice in this particular granular skill so Mm. it's not going to be that mentor all the time definitely (laughs) you know for a great example might be you know I might look at um, somebody in my old school who used to work with really challenging students and actually get fantastic um, results from them Um, and and I might have sent them to my colleague uh, Jen Kay who, who was great at that so it's all about you know knowing um your teaching and learning strengths in your school as a mentor um and actually it being a whole school that fosters an early career teacher you know mentoring is a whole school endeavor it's not just a one-person job oh i really love that i think that's uh, that might be my quote of the show actually that that's a fantastic uh, idea and and absolutely true and you know you know we were talking briefly about the uh, mpqs and that use of expertise and knowing where mm-hmm. to draw that expertise from across the school comes through in that as well, particularly in the leading teacher development, um, which is yes. focused around early careers. And, and it's absolutely essential um, that we do that and that everybody understands that they've got a role in that. And 
and I have to say, you know, even when I've worked in schools with re in really difficult circumstances, mm -hmm. people are really good at, at recognising, and, and a lot of people feel quite flattered when, when you say, actually, you're brilliant at this. I'd love yes. it if they could come and see this aspect of what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I wish we did that more, actually, Zoe. Um, and I don't think we do it enough. I think that people need to know that they're really great at things. Um, yeah. and, and to be given that, you know, that recognition, really, that we sometimes don't get, particularly at this time of year when teachers are on the knees. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I praise, you know, teachers to the hilt because I think they're yes. absolutely fantastic. <laughs> and, uh, you know, even teachers that I haven't necessarily seen eye to eye to is working, you know, the, the work that they're doing and the support that they're giving their yes. students, absolutely amazing um, what they're doing all the time. Jo um, raised an interesting point. She, she sort of said, and authenticity. Yes. And I think that is really important. Uh, what was your view on that? I think, yeah, absolutely, Jo. Um, I, th I think that links so much with what we were saying about not having that carbon copy. Um, I think that if we try to be a carbon, if from a mentee's perspective, if we try to be a carbon copy of our mentor, we're, we're soon going to come unstuck because that's not our, our authentic selves. And I think it also links to the idea of mentors having an honesty and an openness about them as well. You know, as mentors, we are supposed to be people who kind of walk the walk. We don't just talk the talk. We're supposed to be the people who are modeling the things that we're asking our mentees to do. And there's sometimes an honesty and as a mentor saying, do you know what? I don't know the answer. Um, I, I am not able to do that. So let's learn together. So I think there's an authenticity in that without a doubt. Yeah, you can't see. I'm, I'm I'm nodding profusely here at my laptop because because absolutely that that's true, and and I think that that honesty, um, and being really clear on on what your your kind of views and thoughts are, but not in such a way that it's going to you know overly become overly prescriptive and say you've got to do it this way or you've got to do it that way but knowing yeah. what you know we know in education we've just got best bets haven't we um, yes so these are our best bets that I've experienced where are you going to take that yeah and I think that's been a lot of criticisms about the the uh, early career framework as well I think the fact that people see it as prescriptive but I think what they need to realize is that the the research and evidence that underpins the the framework is a minimum expectation um, nobody's saying that you can't talk about other approaches uh, or other ways of doing things as long as obviously they're they're researching form they're not things that have been you know debunked etc because then it, we're getting conflicting messages so I think some of the problems that happened before is that they might learn something in ITT and then come into a school and it be completely different. And that can be quite um, jarring um, for, for a, a new teacher because they're not sure what to expect. Um, I think there's a there's a view um, in, in the teaching profession a little bit um, that's come from some of the things that are coming out from the, the market review and some of the things that Ofsted are saying that um, students are taught um, debunked um, theories in ITE. And I have to say that that has not been my experience at all mm. um, in uh, the, the provider that I'm working with at all. Um, they're very much on the, on the pulse of educational research. They're taught about cognitive science, um, you know, everything that a lot of kind of, I suppose, traditional trads I hate that binary <laughs> stuff, but, um, would, would think of as being you know the, the right way to teach um, but then they're going into schools unfortunately and some of them are finding that a lot of the things that they're being told are debunked in ITT are still happening in schools mm -hmm. so I don't think it's as, as, as clear as that 
actually i think there's a there's an unnecessary um divide at the moment between schools and it which i hope will be broken down absolutely and again i i agree you know i i did mention that when i used to go on training as a mentor um to the providers uh, and at one stage i had three different providers so i had three different sort of training Mm -hmm. um, courses to go on in relation to that um and a lot of it focused on paperwork there was this real sense that it was just about what what was needed there and and it's it's a perennial problem because we need to do that obviously um but what I really wanted particularly in those early stages of being a mentor was to really understand how I could support this person best how I could Mm -hmm. develop those those skills that I needed to be able to do that and um and I think being time pressed meant that we didn't have that and we didn't have the level of relationship which I think you know would have been fantastic if we we really understood each other and where we were coming from from mm-hmm. I could have done a better job and it would have better supported um, th- th- that person coming into the profession so I think we have got a lot of work to do um, yes. and, and obviously the work that you're doing hopefully will take us down that down that route as well and, and we can all become much more open about that um, yeah, we, so, yeah. We, sorry <laughs> I was gonna say you know we we've sort of touched upon and you, and you mentioned at the start this distinction between coaching and mentoring mm-hmm. um and and I was always you know w- when I was going on to coaching courses which happened more regularly than mentoring courses um it was always about that continuum and and uh, and Joe talked about how this the, the person who was coaching her really found the way to negotiate through that but what are your thoughts on on this kind of coaching mentoring is, is it kind of two different things where does instructional coaching fit with that you know what are we talking about with those two areas yeah I mean it's a bit hard to see the wood for the trees at the moment with, mm-hmm. with coaching and mentoring <laughs> because they're they're crossing over so much I mean mentoring traditionally has been a more novice um, practitioner working with somebody who is more expert mm-hmm. um, whereas coaching has tended to be two people of um, who are who are experienced or who may have a similar exper- amount of experience working together as more of an equal relationship. Um, I think the two cross over all the time. Um, I think instructional coaching is kind of the, the, it's like the fence that separates the two really and has a foot in, o- over both sides of it. I think even instructional coaching at the moment is um, the, there's a lot of conflicting information out there. And, and I think that's because there are many different types of instructional coaching. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, which is the difficulty. So obviously a lot of very busy practitioners are just reading things on instructional coaching and thinking, well, I've just read that from, you know, Ambition Institute, for example, and then I've just read that from Jim Knight and they're two completely opposite things. Mm-hmm. And, and they absolutely are, they're right, um, because we have directive instructional coaching and non-directive instructional coaching. And, um, you know, the, the brands that, that, that Jim Knight talks about is more of your non-directive where it's very much a relationship between two people on equal footing who are you know guiding one another's development asking a lot of questions it's very practitioner led um, whereas the more directive is look is from books like um, Get Better Faster by uh, Paul Bambrick Santoyo. And that is more of a kind of, it's almost like a mentoring relationship, one would say, where it is much more kind of modeling, um, rehearsal, direct instruction. So, so there's a huge amount of, of difference. There's a gulf between the, the many types of instructional coaching. So it's no wonder that people are, are confused. 
Absolutely. And, and I have to say, you know, when I was first um, reading and hearing about instructional coaching, I was thinking about myself, you know, 18 years in the classroom mm -hmm. and uh, the idea that somebody was going to come along and say, OK, now I'm going to instruct you about this yes. thing I noticed in your classroom and then we're going to uh, I'm going to model it for you and then you're going to rehearse it. It probably wouldn't have gone down too well with me. You know, I, I, no. I can be a little bit <laughs> awkward, I suppose, sometimes. But it's about, you know, picking the right approach for the person yes. you're working with and, and and as chris moyes is on twitter is very keen on saying it, it's not about mm -hmm. one size fits all it's one size fits no. one yes and ad adapting to to that but yeah i absolutely 100 percent agree with it there's so much out there and a lot of it seems to be conflicting and um and how do you wade your way through that i suppose to find find the most appropriate approaches for it yeah, I mean, it's got to be, if, if coaching or mentoring and they cross over so much, at times you might be more like a traditional coach, at times you might be more like a mentor, you know, you have to be flexible. Mm. Um, but I think, you know, for, for it to be successful, it's got to be bespoke, it's got to be tailored, um, and it's got to be relevant for, the, for that time, for that person, for that relationship and that context. And that's why a one-size-fits-all is just not going to be successful in, in that respect. Mm, absolutely and I, I was quite surprised um i'd been um mentoring and, and they call it mentoring on the c teach program which means yes. um with the charter college i'm working with quite experienced teachers um yeah. you know, one of them's a head of department and, and they've got quite a few years experience behind them so i was quite surprised to see it was being called mentoring not coaching but our relationship you know because it's focused around looking at research and how do they apply that research as opposed mm -hmm. to just classroom practice it's a slightly different relationship again um and a lot of it happens you know it takes place on the phone or it takes place on zoom as well which yeah. and i'm not seeing their classrooms um so that's a slightly different approach but i was surprised to see the word mentoring used and not coaching initially until i understood and unpicked that a little bit more Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and I think that's the thing, isn't there? I think traditionally there was much more of a, of a binary between uh, opposites kind of between the two. But actually, I think that there are many, many um, sides and parts and components of, of coaching and components of mentoring that complement one another and are interchangeable. So I don't think the label really matters, to be honest. It's more about the, the actual practice of what are the people on the ground doing in schools? How is it supporting and, and facilitating teacher development and, you know, the relationships that form the bedrock of that? Absolutely. I think well, that takes us back to the Mark Rowland, you know, it's learning, not labels. And if it means that people can learn and develop, then that's what matters entirely. And uh, and so it doesn't matter what we call it. It, it just is what's making the difference to that. Um, Toby said, we have a society and a profession over bureaucratized. He likes putting these big words in just to check that I'm reading. OK, <laughs> and, and commercialized all this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when most of it's about sharing experience and insight with openness and empathy. Yeah, absolutely. I think that openness mm -hmm. and empathy is totally um, key. I was talking about, you know, needing to have that box of tissues nearby because you yeah. don't want someone to cry when they're being mentored. But if we're unpicking something that they've, you know, they've invested hours potentially in something yes. 
And if they hasn't gone as well as they want it to go, even if you're going to say, actually, that was that was fine, uh, mm. then that can be really hard for them. Uh, and we have to support. So he says it's the old fashioned two way uh, people skills, isn't it? Weirdly, a lot of teachers and SLT are sometimes lacking in these. Oh, Toby. Um, I, w- I wish that weren't the case. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think this. I think it's easy sometimes to to SLT bash, yeah. um, but uh, and I've been guilty of it myself, a hundred percent. But I've been SLT as well, and it's a bloody hard job. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I think I think you know um, sometimes it's hard, isn't it? In 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 schools when you're dealing with constant demands, constant changes from from the DFE, to to almost remember that Toby's point is absolutely correct. It is about old fashioned two way people skills and I think we sometimes lose sight of that yeah absolutely and, and the busier you are and the more pressured and more stressed you are the more that gets sidelined um you yes. know I, I, I can certainly remember times where people would come to me to ask something um of me at the start of the day and I was right in the middle of doing something and yeah. I will hold my hands up and say I was guilty of not necessarily listening properly yeah. and giving them that time because I had something else going on in my head and it's being able to step away from that and really sit and listen and understand where they're coming from um, to be able to do it better. But, you know, we, we continue to live and learn is what, is what I would say. I think we're all guilty of that without, without a doubt. I've done yeah. it many yeah. times, you know. And, and I suppose it's about being able to reflect back on that and then thinking, well, how might I sort of address that differently as I go forward? Um, doesn't necessarily help the person in the moment who needed you to listen, but, you know, we, we, we're all basically trying our best, aren't we? You know, I think yeah. that's that's a, 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 a basic one. Um, Joe says, when I was trained to be a surveyor, I had to complete two years shadowing practice with a mentor. Mm-hmm. And I think that happens with other professions too. So it does seem like a good move that there's more conversation. Um around supporting ECTs and and I, and I would agree you know whatever we th- might think about the framework um whatever we think about the time pressures that 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 could bring I think you know recognizing that people need this support and we shouldn't just be pulling the rug from underneath them once you know okay you've got your piece of paper off you go um that's got to be a positive thing really hasn't it yeah, definitely. And I mean, I would agree. I often use the um, the analogy of, of doctors as well. My um, younger sister at the moment is in her fourth year of her medical degree. And I, you know, they have kind of several years of, of shadowing, working in different parts of, of um, the medical profession. And we as teachers are kind of just expected to, to do a few placement, a couple of placements and come out and be, you know, a, a ready-made teacher. And, you know, that doesn't happen. And we aren't given that opportunity to still observe other colleagues really as much when we're in ECTs because we're too busy catching up with marking and staying afloat. So I think that is the good thing that, you know, as Ian Baucom calls it, this golden thread of teacher development where we're, you know, learning from the CCF, which is very similar and builds on naturally to to the ECF for those two years. And then we've got those opportunities afterwards, those MPQs. I'm really lucky that I'm facilitating the MPQ LTD. uh, And I think the materials are great. um, And it's a real option these kind, these new MPQs for people who don't necessarily want to be in SLT but want to develop others um, to to do these MPQs and and there are now going to be hopefully some great career choices in mentoring others with these mentor leads in in the uh, ITT market review. Yeah, absolutely, and I, and I think it would be you know coming back to this point that mentoring is such an important role 
that it does need to have that kind of recognition from everybody yes. um, that, that this is an essential part. We're, we're developing and we're growing teachers um, and, and CPD is at the heart of that, isn't it? You know, we, we all need to develop, we all want to develop. And if this is a reciprocal relationship, that makes it even more important. Yes, yeah, 100%. And that's why, you know, I'm probably going to go uh, blow a bit of smoke uh, up your bottom now. <laughs> but I, that's why I love yours and, and Mark's uh, book so much. Because well, I think you. it got, to, it got to, the, to the root of, of, of the issue that has been so often in, in CPD that I've been in schools where I've been sat in a hall thinking, oh, God, you know, yeah. I, I'm not sure this is relevant to me at all. Um, so, you know, it goes back to what we were saying before about it being bespoke, it being tailored. And, and all the research I re read, you know, talking about teachers um, tells us that, you know, CPD needs to be driven by a teacher. It's not something that's done to them. It's something that's driven by them. And I think that's been lacking in schools, really. Absolutely. You know, I 100% agree with that. Um, Toby, it's okay. He says, my comment was a bit controversial. We expect a bit of controversy from you, Toby, not to worry. Um, but he says, but in any job, any profession, good people skills between colleagues is a key to belonging. Absolutely. Self-belief, happiness and success in a role. Yeah. And again, you know, I think that that joint purpose, that understanding that, you know, we're all trying to pull together. We're all trying to, you know, support these students in the best way that we can. And we want to support each other to do that it is absolutely key. Um, he also says busyness in teaching is indeed a challenge for our profession. Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, if, if I could do anything, I would may wave a magic wand that meant that every single teacher got at least one additional free a week um uh, you know at least just so that they've got that kind of time to really sit down and reflect and, and not feel they've got to fill that with things but you yes. know even if they're sitting reading thinking discussing that that would benefit everybody i think um joe's excited to be doing her mpq in spring um and toby says much more time given to mentoring and coaching in science and industry days interesting um, i'm hopefully going to be talking to uh, clive hill and uh, his lovely wife, Hayley Hill, uh, after Christmas about this on this very show, um, about what can we learn from outside of the, of the teaching profession to really benefit this as well. Now, Hayley, it's been lovely talking to you. I do have just, uh, you know, two final questions for you, if that's OK. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, sure. The first one I'm going to ask you to really condense. Um, and I know you're an English teacher like me, so that can be tricky. <laughs> um, yeah. But in one sentence... Can you say what you think good mentors need to do? Good mentors need to imbue their mentee with confidence and be a cheerleader for them. Fabulous. And what about the same task, but from the mentee point of view? What does a good mentee need to do in one sentence? Be open to reflect. Nice. Yeah, I, I, th I think that's probably true for all of us, actually, being open to reflection. There's nothing better uh, from my point of view and having that time to really reflect and be open to it and and be able to explore that. So, yeah, fantastic. Thank you for that. Are you all set for Christmas? Well, just before the show, actually, I'm trying to wrap a little bit um, every day so that I don't fall into the trap of crying into a glass of port on Christmas <laughs> Eve, wrapping 
10,000 packages, which normally happens. So, yeah, I'm, I think I am more or less. Yeah, the, the kids have bled me dry again. I've gone a bit cool. crazy. I do it every year. So, <laughs> Well, I've, I've still got um, some presents to wrap, and I'm sure Mark Enser will put the results of uh, my attempts. I am not very good with uh, the practical aspects of wrapping, shall we say. So uh, I'm sure you'll put some of those on Twitter for people to laugh at uh, after I've sat there and covered myself in sellotape and maybe downed a large glass of port to help me on the way. <laughs> but thank you ever so much for taking the time. I, I know I've actually stolen you for longer than uh, than I suggested, but it's been excellent talking to you. Um, really, really um, informative. Where can people buy your book just in, in case they missed that? Yes, um, it, well, it's on um Amazon, <laughs> but also you can buy it direct from quite a lot of bookshops, WH Smith, etc. Um, and it's uh, published by Crown House, so I think you can buy it directly from them as well. Mentoring in schools, excellent. And, and have you got another one in the pipeline? Uh, <laughs> another two that I'm crying into my. Uh, I've not got port this morning, but crying into my coffee with. Um, so yeah, I've got a uh, book that um, the whole English world, including yourself, Zoe, is is waiting for. I think with bated breath about teaching critical theory at GCSE. Yes, um, I think you have a you've had a sneak peek of it, haven't you? Um, yes. And I'm, yes. I'm I'm wading in treacle with it <laughs> at the moment. Um, and I've got another book with Crown House as well due in uh, after Christmas on um, a lot of the educational theories that are in the uh, ECF and the CCF and what that looks like in English. So it's going to be part of a series, I think, um, with other subjects as well. Wow. Wow. Well, um, thank you again to the amazingly busy uh, Hallie Hughes. It's been brilliant talking to you. Um, thank you ever so much for joining us this morning. Have a lovely day. You too. Thanks, Zoe. Bye. Oh, well, fantastic. I've, I've learned a lot there. I've reflected a lot there. And I hope that you've enjoyed listening to there. Um, really, really amazing to, to sort of think about the way, the direction that we're going in um, and what it is that mentoring might be able to, to do and might be able to support our profession with. If we, if we can get this right, if we can take these opportunities um, and really make them work, it, it's it's going to be fantastic. Um, it's all about the implementation, though. It's all about, you know, what's the reality of this? What are the experiences of people on the ground? So, as I said before, it would be great to hear your views, your thoughts, um, carry on this conversation on Twitter, uh, come back to me in six months' time and say, you know, Zoe, you said the early careers framework would be really good for mentoring actually it's not because please do you know let me know um, because I'm always interested to hear more I'm always interested to reflect more and how it's impacting on our CPD and, and I think you know my takeaway is always is this you know, fact that it's just it should be bespoke it, it shouldn't be done to people it should be you know that opportunity to develop and also that there's space and time for mentoring at different points in our career it isn't just about early careers teachers it isn't just about, um, you know, those that are, uh, are kind of ITTs. We want to make the opportunities for that. So um, coming up later today, we've got the fantastic Emma Williams, who is going to be speaking with none other than Tom Bennett um, to explore, uh, you know, I'm assuming behaviour, but um, who knows with Tom, it could go in any direction. I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a few mentions of the Avengers and the like going forward. And uh, following that, um, Joe Hammond has got a show um, where I'm, I'm assured that there is going to be a huge flurry of guests talking about gaming. And uh, that's going to be his focus later on today. 
Um, Toby, he, he says, crying into a glass of port. How come you've already got presents to wrap? Are you doing the Christmas Eve thing then, Toby? Are, are, you, are you going to be doing the kind of popping over to the garage on a Christmas Eve and seeing what you can pick up? Um, he says, if you haven't bought any Christmas presents yet, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. A shameless plug. There are a few books that you can buy from uh, people on the show and people on Twitter generally for the profession. Uh, but he says, tune into mine and magical. <laughs> Yuki God, are we talking ukulele God, Ed Finch, for our guide to Christmas book shopping for awkward relatives. Yes, <laughs> the ukulele God, Ed Finch, for the, their guide to the Christmas book shopping for awkward relatives, which is on Wednesday at 10 p.m. Um, you know, obviously you're just going to be using me for promos now, are, are you, Toby? You're going to be kind of taking advantage of that. Now, um, this is going to be my last show before Christmas. Um, so, uh, I, you know, all, all that's left really is, is a, a kind of a, a bit of a, a farewell to you then um you're hurtling towards that last week of term um you have done amazing things uh, teachers and educators out there it's been yet another challenging year but you've been as always phenomenal um i i, I cannot praise the profession enough um i'll be accused of all you know being a sycophant or something but you are just amazing and I am really privileged to be able to see the work that people are doing in schools and the support that you're offering young people who are also going through um, those tricky times so I, I want you all to have an amazing break when it arrives I know that there's a little bit of time left for you to go yet um, an incredible new year stay safe um, make sure make sure that you know you get that time with your loved ones and, and doing all the things that that, uh, that you enjoy and the rest of the term really goes smoothly now the rest of my day I, I've got planned a, a little walk in the woods um, watching my little badger scampering through the leaves to see what he will find um, and then after Christmas when I'm back all being well as long as Tom doesn't decide that he's had enough of me yet all being well as I said I'm going to be talking to Clive Hill and uh, the lovely Hayley Hill about what we can learn from outside of the profession in terms of CPD. So asking them about their experiences outside of teaching um, and what it is that we can take away. Now, I'm hoping when I press to play the close music, that is exactly what's going to happen. Not like when I press the opening music today and it decided that it was going to play the news. Um, so all being well, I'm just going to say wish you a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and I'm sure I will see some of you on Twitter. Do remember that you can also download other podcasts and listen to other radio shows on Teachers Talk Radio. Thanks ever so much. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.